Good evening, everybody. The reading this evening is taken from 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. This can be found on page 1190 of the Church Bible in the pews in front of you. So it's 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. Stand firm. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Lovely. Thanks, Ty, for reading for us. Let's pray now. Father, thank you for these words of yours, these spirit-inspired words of yours. And we pray, Lord, that you might speak to us tonight, to our minds and to our hearts, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, do you find, um, I guess most of us do, that you tend to kind of go up and down as a Christian. Sometimes it's really great. Sometimes you feel a little bit kind of flat about things. Um, I, we all do to some extent, although I, 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 I sort of observe in life in general that there are uh, some who tend to go up and down as Christians, perhaps more than others do. Maybe it's a personality thing. Maybe it's a medical thing. Maybe it's... A, uh, something to do with circumstances, all sorts of possible reasons. Um, uh, there are times, though, aren't there, when this going up and down, being great one day and, and just feeling kind of really flat spiritually the next, which is, um, uh, there are times actually, though, when that's not particularly great for our Christian lives. It's not particularly great for our ability to serve other people. It's not particularly great for those we live with. And do you sometimes wish that you could just be a little bit more stable as a Christian? Well, I've got good news because this says, uh, this little section that we're reading tonight from 2 Thessalonians is uh, headed by that little phrase, stand firm. And we're going to be looking at that passage and uh, here it is on the screen. You too can be a stable Christian. That's nothing to do with horses, okay? Uh, you too can be a stable Christian. Someone who will stand firm, who will be uh, unrocked, if that's the word, uh, by, by the situations we go through and will keep on going with Jesus throughout our lives. Um, uh, avoiding the kind of the, the, the real hard down times and just keeping on going. It is possible to be a stable Christian. And generally speaking, we like stability, don't we? We, um, uh, we like a stable government. 
Um, we like a stable house, not not one that's kind of gradually sinking into the the, the, uh, uh, the sand. Um, we love it when Cliff Cross has just caught my eye. Uh, we love it when Chris uh, when Cliff puts up our fence for us because we know it's going to withstand the latest hurricane, don't we? We love Chris, uh, Cliff Cross's uh, uh, fences and sheds and things like that. Um, we like stable furniture, don't we? Right? Isn't it irritating when you have a table where you have to put a beer mat or something underneath one of the legs? We love of stable furniture. Uh, we like a stable aeroplane, don't we? If you happen to be going on an aeroplane and uh, it's throwing, and it's being thrown all over the place by uh, turbulence, we're not very keen on that. We love to have a good, stable, steady, uh, calm flight. Now, the thing is, the church in Thessalonica has not been really very stable. Things have been quite difficult for them. Uh, for instance, some of them were sure that Jesus was going to come back before they died. And then some of the Thessalonians have been dying and they've been a bit kind of thrown off by this. And they are starting to get rather worried about, uh, about what has happened to their Christian friends who have died given that Jesus hasn't come back yet. There was some persecution there. There was some false teaching going on there as well. And people were going up and down and up and down, and it was really affecting their Christian lives. So how can we be more stable as Christians? Well, there are three things we're going to see here. First of all, there's God's part. Secondly, there's our part. And then third, we'll see here that there's a, uh, a lovely prayer at the end, which we can make our own. So the first thing is God's part. God's part. Now, if we're going to be stable Christians, we need to um, uh, recognize that God has got an absolutely fundamental and essential role to play in your Christian life. Of course he does. And one of, one of the things we see in 2 Thessalonians is that there's really just a, there's a thread going through this from beginning to end, and it's God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. God is in charge. Now, you can see it here, and for instance, in 2 Thessalonians, there are 24 references to Jesus. And it's really striking that 23 out of those 24 references to Jesus refer to Jesus as Lord. 23 out of 24 of them. There are two in the passage here, for instance, or at least two. Uh, so look at verse 14, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see again in verse 16, may our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's this doctrine of, of God's sovereignty, of the Lordship of Christ. Um, now, it doesn't mean that we can say, well, he's in charge, therefore I'll lay back and I'll just enjoy life. I'll put my feet up and do absolutely nothing. No, rather, it's there to help us to stand firm and to keep on going and to keep on serving others and to keep on living for him through all the strains and the stresses and the ups and downs of life. But we're going to keep on going as Christians. A little bit more detail. First thing here, as you see there, God chose us. There are two great things here that God has done, and one of them is that he chose us. Uh, and then secondly, we see in just a little bit, he called us. But first, God chose us. Look at verse 13. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you. God cho chose you as first fruits. I take that to be some of the earliest people to become Christians. God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief 
in the truth. We'll unpack those uh, uh, in a little bit. God chose you. When you go down to, say, Aldi, Lidl, Waitrose, Tesco's, wherever you happen to go, um, there are always so many choices to make, aren't there? So, for instance, breakfast. Okay, cereal. There's a mind-boggling choice of different cereals you can get, whatever supermarket you go to. And then there's the milk. What milk are we going to have? Are we going to have skimmed, filtered, semi, blue top, gold top, purple top? Are we going to have... Uh, one litre, two litres, four litres, maybe even six litres. What are we going to get? How about the um, orange juice, which you might have? Do you think we ought to have orange juice with bits or without bits? Is it going to come from concentrate? Is it going to be fresh orange juice? Is it going to be in the fridge? Is it going to be on the shelf? Uh, and so on. There's just choice after choice after choice. What make? What variety of orange juice? And all the rest of it. Um, and if we're going to have some bread, to have some toast. The number of different loaves of bread. And then what are we going to put on it? Butter? Marmalade? I mean, there is Frank Cooper, thankfully, but, uh, you know, there are other unmarmalades as well, so I understand. And, uh, but, you know, it's just a bewildering choice, isn't it? A bewildering choice. But actually, when you come to the Bible... And when you see what is going on there, that uh, actually what you have for breakfast and what you see in Waitrose or Lidl or Aldi or wherever it is, is actually pretty trivial, really, isn't it? But when you look at the Bibles and when you see what has happened in our lives, God choosing us in a past eternity, we are talking about something extraordinarily profound and extraordinarily significant. And then God saved us. We'll come to that in just a minute. And, uh, um, but actually God chose us, you, me, for some unfathomable reason in that past eternity. He chose us that we would be his. God has chosen his people to be saved. Now, when I wrote this, um, uh, it was about three weeks before when I wrote this sermon that a girl called Cleo Smith disappeared in Western Australia. And then for 18 days, she was missing and everyone feared the worst. And then extraordinarily, through uh, some very good detective work on behalf of the police, they found her alive and well in a locked house. She had been kidnapped. She had been kept there. Uh, by this guy in this locked house. She couldn't do anything about it. She needed rescuing, saving. She was incapable of her own rescue. And thankfully, so often these things turn out bad news, don't they? But actually, thankfully for Cleo, she was rescued and then reunited with her family, with her parents and so on. Now, we need saving, and we are incapable of our own rescue. And that is exactly what God has chosen to do for us, for you, for me. Look at verse 13 again. Um, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits, some of the first to become Christians, to be saved. How? Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, and through belief in the truth. That is the truth of the gospel. We're going to get to that in a, uh, in a moment. But then God's sanctifying us. That means making us 
holy by the work of the Spirit in our lives. Making us fit for heaven by the work of the Spirit in our lives. And you see here also in this, in this verse, you've got all three persons of the Trinity. So you've got the Father, you've got God the Son, and you've got God the Holy Spirit working together for the choosing, God doing that, and then working together for our salvation. So he talks here about loved by the Lord Jesus, chosen by God, and sanctified by the Spirit. What great news that God chose us and then brought this about. And if you're a Christian, he's working in your life by the Spirit through the Word. He could even be doing it right now to teach us and to help us to understand what he has done and what he is doing in our lives. That's the first thing. Know and understand that God chose us. That's part of how to be a stable Christian. How to keep going. God has chosen us. Not through anything that you have done. It's not an award. It is not because you're a very special person or anything like that. God has chosen us. Next thing we see here, that he's called us. God called us. So that's the next step in this. Look at verse 14. He called you to this. Through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's looking back to that day when they were called through the gospel, through the message of the gospel or good news. And then he's looking forwards so that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is in heaven. He is in glory. And Christian people believe and know and trust that we will not just be there with his glory, but we will share in it when we die or when Jesus returns, whichever happens first. The gospel is the good news. Good news that Jesus died for us. Good news that Jesus was raised again from the dead. Good news that when we put our trust in him, we will be with him sharing his glory for all eternity. And someone told you that gospel. Someone actually told you that gospel, didn't they? I'm so grateful to God for the leaders at Christ Church Beckenham, the youth group called the Caleb Club, where Anna and I met and where we both became Christians and where we were nurtured in that uh, uh, Christian faith in those early years. I'm so grateful that God used them to call me to himself. For me, it was uh, cemented on the back of a boat on the Norfolk Broads just after Easter 1974. 18th of April it was. And that was the day I was, I was a Christian before that. But that cemented it because I can, I can remember as clearly as, as anything that I was on the back of one of these bathtub boats on the broads. And uh, the guy was the curate, a guy called Mark Ashton was the curate. And I remember him now coming down to the back of the boat where I was on my own. And then he asked me, he said, uh, Phil, so when did you become a Christian? And I said, I can't tell you exactly. It was probably last November time. I'm not sure. But actually, that conversation with Mark cemented it for me. And I'm forever thankful to Mark and the other leaders. When did it happen for you? When did God call you to be his? Who told you the gospel? Because it would be a great opportunity now just to quietly thank God for them. In fact, um, 
uh, one other thing. One of the nicest postcards I've ever received came from a vicar in Preston. And uh, he wrote it during a sermon. Uh, his name is Joe. He used to be in a youth group that we used to lead. And uh, he wrote it during a sermon because the preacher had just suggested to people in his congregation they might like to drop a line to thank some, um, someone uh, for being the person who told them the gospel. And it turned out there had been Anna and me had told him the gospel in the youth group. So uh, during the sermon, he wrote us a postcard to say, thank you for telling me about Jesus in the youth group. Just up in Crowborough, it was. And uh, you may want to do, do the same. Wouldn't that be a good idea? Whoever, you know, thank them, whoever it was who told you the gospel first. It may be here, it may be someone years and years ago. But why not, if they're still alive, send them a note, an email, send them a text. Do it now. I prefer if you did it later, but I'd rather you did it now than not later. So God chose us. God called us. And those two great facts mean that we will be better able to stand firm and be stable in our Christian lives. Yes, there'll be ups and downs. We all go up and down. Yes, there'll be good times and bad times. Of course, those happen, don't they? But in those, you too can be a stable Christian. And it really helps. It really, really helps actually to know that God chose us and God called us. And it is on that basis that we are Christian believers. It's not because of you, what you've done. There's nothing we've kind of contributed to this. It is simply because of God's extraordinary and unfathomable and unknown, really, choosing. Why did he choose us? No idea. Please don't ask me why. I have no idea. But I do know he has. And then his calling through the message of the gospel given to us, maybe at this church, maybe somewhere else, where we first heard the gospel and we can respond to Jesus and we have uh, responded to him. But why? Why did all that happen? Why did God, uh, uh, why, why has God chosen us and why has God called us? Well, there's a very important third part to this. Because God loves us. Because God loves us. His love actually runs right through this. Look at uh, verse 13. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. And in, in 2.16, he says this. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us. And then it's on beyond. But chapter 3 and verse 5, for instance. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. It was Augustine who said, God loves each one of us as if there was only one of us to love. And uh, someone else said, the true measure of God's love is that he loves without measure. God's love is, is, it is the foundation of Christian stability. In fact, Christian stability is impossible. It's unimaginable without the love of God, isn't it? If you think about it, if God didn't love us, We'd just be all over the place, wouldn't we? If you couldn't be assured of God's love, you'd go up and down like a yo-yo as a Christian. Because one moment you think, yes, I'm sure God loves me. Of course God loves me. That's great. It's wonderful. You're up in the sky. And you'd be thinking, does God love me? Oh, maybe he doesn't because all this stuff that's happened. No, whatever happens in life, the Bible tells us consistently that God loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. 
It's an incredible love. And in that incredible love, he chose us and he called us through someone, maybe a group of people, or maybe person after person after person after person after person, telling us the gospel, the good news about Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's God's part in Christian stability. God's part in choosing us and calling us to himself because he loves us, you. Even if you think you're completely unlovable, be assured and know this truth. God loves you beyond your wildest imaginings. He loves you. And because he loves you and he's chosen you and he's called you, you too can be a stable Christian. And then there's our part. Our part. Now, naturally, we'd uh, be like to say, because of God's choosing and God's calling, it's, it's all based on love, God's love, so therefore it's all fine, and uh, let's carry on and uh, not do very much, just kind of enjoy it. But no, there is stuff that we need to do. Paul's logic is actually quite the reverse of that. He's saying, because of all that God has done, actually we have a significant part to play. And it's in two parts, and uh, we'll do this fairly briefly now. And the first one of these is stand firm in the storm. So you look at verse 15. So then, because these are God's choice and God's calling and God's love, verse 15, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm. And hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you by word of mouth or by letter. Life can be a storm and we need to stand firm in it. And uh, um, so in the autumn time, for instance, in times of storms and raging torrents and so on. Um, and, uh, uh, and we need to stand firm. We need to stand firm. It's quite difficult even tonight, isn't it? It's a gusty wind and so on, and you can get blown around by a gusty breeze, even, even just down here. Probably be a bit more breezy up on the downs, wouldn't it? But uh, we need to stand firm when the buffetings of life come our way. Plant our feet, be aware, and uh, if you're with someone else, link arms. But how can we stand firm as a Christian? Know the dangers? Know how firm the temptations of the devil can be? Know your weak areas and avoid them as far as you can. For instance, I guess, if you know someone who's, um, who's you find really, really irritating, how are you going to manage with that one? Well, the first thing to do would be to pray for them, wouldn't it? And then as you pray for them, you'll find it a bit easier. Second thing to do might be to uh, perhaps spend a little bit less time with them at the moment until you prayed for them even more. Second thing might be to ask them, how, third thing might be to ask them, how could I pray for you? What can we do? How can I pray for you? Uh, and so on. Um, and then maybe get some help from others. Have you noticed that when you're with Christian people, you tend to behave better? So if your behavior, say, at the Amex is a bit dicey, then why not go to someone else, for instance, uh, who can uh, be... Uh, a kind of calming influence on your behavior there, or when you go to the pub or other situations or whatever it would be. Um, and then there's one other thing in verse 15. When it says stand firm, uh, and when it says hold fast, it's uh, a continuous thing. So not just saying, right, stand firm, 
just today, and then tomorrow don't worry about it. No, it's saying stand firm and hold fast all the time. All the time. In other words, we've got to keep on doing this. He's saying uh, temptations will be with us for the rest of our lives. He's saying that the rough and tumble of life is going to be with us for the rest of our lives. Don't, don't uh, sort of, uh, hope and live your life in the expectation that life is bound to get better in the future. It won't. There are always going to be struggles and difficulties and strains and stresses and so on. They're not going away. And we're in this for the long haul. We will keep on standing firm for the rest of our earthly life. And the other thing here is it says, um, whatever that says, what does that say? So, so pray. Oh, let's go back to that one. Then. We'll come to that. And hold fast to the Bible. And that means keep on holding fast to the Bible. Uh, the word teachings, you can see that at the bottom, or traditions of our uh, church Bibles, um, is, uh, uh, means the teaching, but also the kind of received body of understanding, if you like, uh, uh, that, uh, how as a church, it's, it's, it's basically doctrine. It's basically talking about doctrine there, which surrounds this Bible teaching. And basically, we've, uh, we've just got to remain uncompromising, uncompromisingly loyal to the teaching of Christ. And we find that in the Bible. We've got to be Bible people. It was George Whitfield, not, not long after his conversion at, at, uh, when he was at Oxford, wrote this in his journal. I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside all other books and praying over, if possible, every line and word. Imagine doing that. Um, this proved meat indeed and drink indeed for my soul. I daily receive uh, fresh life, light and power from above. And we've just got to be people who read our Bibles every day, who study our Bibles. How about actually taking, uh, finding out what we're doing now? Well, we're doing Mark and Luke's Gospels in the first part of next year. So why not get a, a Bible study commentary, one of the Bible Speaks Today series on, on Mark or, or Luke or another commentary, and actually sit down and do some study and take notes to prepare for those sermons. It will just mean that actually when you come here, the sermon's going to be even better because you've worked some of it through beforehand in your own mind and heart and soul. And if you've been for a Christian for a while, do you know where most of the Bible books are? Well, we don't absolutely have to, but it seems to me if you read your Bible, you're likely to know where the books are. I mean, maybe not Zephaniah or something, but, you know, I guess probably we'll be learning our way, won't we, around the Bible. There's always the index, but as time goes on, I would hope if we're reading it, we will know where Jude is and Joshua and Job and so on. They don't all begin with J, by the way, but, uh, but we will know those things, won't we? I mean, how can you possibly hope to do verse 15? Hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. How can we possibly just hope to do that if we just rely on a sermon every so often? This is taking Bible, our Bible, seriously, isn't it? Reading them, working through it, becoming Bible students. Please, please be reading your Bibles every day. It's more than that. It's not five minutes a day. This is proper studying, isn't it? 
It's working it through, learning more, getting to places where we can learn more, getting to Bible by the beach. We've, yesterday morning in here, wasn't it? It was the, um, uh, the Sussex Gospel Partnership Saturday morning course. Uh, what a great opportunity. What a shame not more of us are involved with it, eh? And uh, have you noticed in verses 13 and 15, the way he refers to brothers and sisters? Uh, John Stott wrote about this. Uh, the church is the fellowship of faith, the society for sacred study, the hermeneutical community. That means interpreting community, which interprets scripture together. So we need one another to, to encourage one another to read and to understand the Bible. Why not ask someone to uh, perhaps do that with you? to encourage one another, to say, you know, have you read your Bible this week? What have you learned? And, and something like that. Why not, why not develop a kind of partnership in that? So uh, um, it's time to stop. But we will stand firm and we will stand stable in our Christian lives. You too can be a stable Christian. It is possible to do that. But we need to remember within that, both God's part that he chose you he calls you because he loves you. And we need to remember our parts that we stand firm in the storm and we hold fast to the Bible. And we ask God help to do that. And then there's this glorious prayer at the end, which uh, I'm going to lead us in a short prayer now in verses 16 and 17. And then Catherine's going to lead us in further prayers. So let's pray. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage our hearts and strengthen us in every good deed and word. Amen.